Welcome to the White Spring Bunker. These halls were built to safeguard some of the most prestigious members of the United States government. We are MODIS, and we are always looking for men and women capable of helping us restore what has been lost. In return, we offer this, a new enclave and our refuge from the world above. Please, take your time and look around. The Colonel has made great strides restoring this place to its former glory. Welcome, member, to our little enclave. Greetings, members. As always, I am the Operative, your designated tour guide and host here at the White Spring. The uneasy alliance with the Overseer has resulted in a vaccine to protect the newcomers in Appalachia from the Scorch Plague. Now the hard part will be getting the inoculation to those who need it. In part one of our story, the Colonel escorts Eugenie on the road north towards the crater. Along the way, we experience a changing Appalachia, coming alive again, but also still full of peril. And maybe, just maybe, the Colonel dances. The ghoul trader Eugenie looked back over her shoulder as the golden dome of the Charleston Capitol building disappeared behind her. It had been a while since the last time she saw it, before the war in fact, and she had been surprised that the building was still even there. She heard about the Christmas flood back in 82, but it hadn't been safe for her kind back then, and she was already heading out of the region at that point. Since coming back, Eugenie had stuck to established trade routes, either over to Foundation or up to Crater. It was just safer that way. That was until she picked up this new contract. So, here she was, with her three Brahmin, packed to the brim with Nuka-Cola bottles with some kind of anti-scorch vaccine or whatnot for delivery to Meg up at the crater. Beyond the pack animals, Eugenie could see her escort, Colonel Valeria and two of her men, leading the way to make sure their shipment got to its destination without incident. She chuckled a bit, remembering seeing Valeria again at the Nuka plant. Instead of wearing her armor or a uniform, she was dressed more as a regular old caravan ranch hand, supervising the loading of the Brahmin. When Valeria saw Eugenie, she smiled and walked over. Eugenie, good to see you. Right on time, too. We're just finishing up the first shipment and should be ready to go. Let me introduce you to our two other escorts. This is Lieutenant Travis, and over here is Sergeant Tyson. It's a pleasure to meet you both. Glad to have the extra hands. Eugenie could tell that the other two were less than enthusiastic about being this close to a ghoul. She couldn't blame them. Prejudice against ghouls ran deep, and it was the rare soul who could see a person underneath. Valeria noticed as well, because she frowned and said something under her breath that Eugenie couldn't hear. The two men stiffened, saluted, and went back to packing the Brahmin. Sorry about that. Nah, it's okay. I'm pretty darn likable once you get to know me. Sure, they'll come around. They'll follow orders. Once we're on the road, we'll just be another small caravan heading north. With luck, it'll be an uneventful trip. Eugenie smiled and nodded. It was a bit of wishful thinking, but at least she had good company. She was also still trying to wrap her head around what this new enclave was all about. They talked like soldiers, acted like some kind of government. And well, to hear them talk, the new enclave was the government. But in most places, even the idea of a central government was nothing more than jokes around the campfire. Eugenie had to admit they were efficient. After the Brahmin had been packed, Valeria had laid out their route and assignments. It was all well thought out and would put them in crater in less than a week if all went well. As they started their travels, Eugenie couldn't help but keep an eye on the colonel. 
she really did seem to be one of the good ones. Didn't care if she was a ghoul or not, and treated her like a person, which was a pleasant surprise. The more she talked to Valeria, the more she liked her. She couldn't necessarily say the same thing about her men, and although they treated her with common courtesy, it was clearly forced, and they kept their distance. She really didn't mind, because she'd face far worse, especially after she left the compound to start the whole trading thing. The other ghoul residents thought she was crazy. But once Eugenie set her mind on something, there was no going back. It had helped that she'd uncover a stockpile of pre-war arms, which she shrewdly parlayed into a relationship with the Blue Ridge Caravan Company, and introductions to the numerous factions, all looking for weapons. The caps she made were more than enough to support both her and the community of ghouls up in the hills. It even encouraged a few of the others to go back out into the world and start new lives. But the compound would always be their home, and it was the first place any of them had found that was safe and secure, where they could live in peace. Once she finished this contract, she'd be heading back there, too. Eugenie missed the others and needed to divvy up their profits. She had a list of items she needed to buy on the way back, too, all kinds of special requests from her friends, and she was not one to disappoint them. Up to now, the trip to the plant through Charleston had been routine. Blair and her team scared off some wannabe raiders from the riverfront near an old landfill, but otherwise it was smooth sailing. Valeria told her they'd be stopping by some old mansions that evening before heading north. She'd be dropping off the rest of her team at the White Spring before the two of them would go the rest of the way up to the crater. Hold up! Valeria and her team unslung their weapons and spread out across the road ahead, advancing slowly. Just over the next hill, they could see wisps of smoke rising from the trees. Valeria whistled softly and her two teammates advanced while she covered them. Eugenie crouched low and made her way over to where Valeria was positioned. What's up? We saw smoke. Also got a report of Blood Eagle activity in the area. We don't want to stumble into an ambush. Eugenie nodded. The Blood Eagles had gotten bolder over the past few weeks, attacking caravans and small settlements across Appalachia. It was bad for one's health, and even worse for business. After a few minutes, the two Enclave operatives returned. Valeria took them aside, and they quickly briefed her on what they'd found. She opened her Pip-Boy and compared it against a map taken from her front pouch. She laid the map on the road and gave a quick set of instructions before turning back to Eugenie. Blood Eagle encampment up ahead. Looks like they grabbed an old raider outpost and moved in. We don't have time to go around, so I'm taking my team to clear it out. Um, how many are there? I mean, you're going to take all of them? They aren't being too vigilant. We'll be right on top of them before they know what hit them. The ghoul merchant must have looked concerned, because Valeria shook her head reassuringly. Don't worry. The team is under orders not to let anything happen to me. But seriously, this won't take too long. Stay here and I'll send up a flare when it's clear. Eugenie wasn't too sure about Valeria's plan. It seemed foolhardy at best. She'd seen what they did at Big Bend, but this could be really dangerous. The three new Enclave members moved off over the rise, leaving Eugenie to mind the Brahmin. She took out her 44 and checked it to ensure that it was fully loaded, just in case. The Brahmin themselves were oblivious, chewing on their cuds and waiting for the call to start moving again. About 15 minutes later, the staccato pop of automatic fire broke the silence. One followed by several more, and explosions as well. After a few more minutes, the firing became more erratic, popping off in shorter bursts. The sounds of battle faded before being replaced with near silence. A flare popped off above the trees, which was the signal for the all-clear. Eugenie breathed a sigh of relief and smacked the Brahmin to start moving. As she got over the ridge, she could see the Blood Eagle encampment. It was a ramshackle camp placed in the middle of the road. Even from this distance, Eugenie could see the bodies of several Blood Eagles on the ground and leaning over the railings along the walls. She threaded the Brahmin past the ruined cars before walking up to the front entrance of the camp. 
Several small fires were burning, and a larger one was centered around the wreck of a pre-war car, which must have been caught in the middle and exploded. Several more corpses lay scattered about, which Eugenie gingerly stepped around. Eugenie! Eugenie walked over towards where Valeria and her team were standing, near a set of iron cages. As she approached, she could see several blood eagles kneeling on the ground with their hands tied behind their backs, and their mouths were gagged. There was a group of young women hugging each other and crying in a corner nearby. See? Nothing to worry about. They were all chemmed up and never even saw us. Seems as though they were more concerned about tonight's entertainment. They kidnapped those girls from a local settlement just this morning, so we got here just in time. They were terrorized, obviously, but I don't think they fully understood yet. Maybe better if they don't. Unfortunately, we just can't let them go on their own, so I'll have to send my people home with them. They'll try to catch up, but no guarantees. Sergeant Tyson was giving the young women food and water and working to calm them down. Eugenie looked over at the captured blood eagles. All of them were young, maybe in their late teens or early twenties. Some wounded, others not. What are you going to do with them? Just take out the trash. What does that mean? taken aback by the casual violence. She watched Valeria reload her pistol and put it away, then go over to the rescued girls, hugging each one and wiping their eyes, offering quiet words here and there. The dichotomy was jarring. Let's go. We're done here. Eugenie took one last look at the executed blood eagles before leading her Brahmin back out of the camp and along the road once more. The group didn't do much talking on the way, perhaps because Eugenie didn't know what to say. so later, the caravan reached what had been the high-rent district of Charleston. Mansions dotted the road on either side, where before the war, the rich and famous in the area had made it their home. The group stopped in front of one of the smallish ones, which was still enormous compared to most of the other structures in Appalachia, and Valeria sent her operatives inside to check for any threats. So, Valeria, what's the plan? We'll all stay here tonight. We are a little behind schedule, but nothing we can't make up. In the morning, my men will take the girls home. You and I will keep heading north. We have a few safe spots to rest and resupply on the way, and I don't think we'll have any problems getting to Crater on time. Eugenie nodded, and Valeria's team soon returned from the mansion. They chased out some mole rats, but otherwise the building was secure and reasonably intact. There was even a small fence garden in the back, which would make a perfect spot for their Brahmin to rest for the night. The operatives would take shifts guarding the caravan animals, while the rest of them stayed in several intact rooms upstairs. As the sun set over the Appalachian Hills, they all settled in for the evening. The Brahmin were laying down in their improvised pen, while the rest of them were upstairs around a small campfire. The rescued girls had calmed down, but kept their distance from Eugenie. None of them had ever seen a non-feral ghoul before. One of Valeria's team was preparing dinner, while she checked her maps and reported to Major Stein on their progress. Eugenie was sitting in the corner, lost in her own thoughts. What happened earlier still bothered her. Watching those blood eagles, even if they were raiders, so casually murdered, still ate at her, and she intended to say something to Valeria about it. Valeria must have sensed something was wrong, because she shut off her Pip-Boy, put away her maps, and walked down to sit over next to Eugenie. 
Hey, are you okay? Valeria, those people. I mean, you just killed them. It was hard to judge the expression on Valeria's face. She blinked and looked down, sighing, before facing Eugenie again. Eugenie, blood eagles are, well, you know how they are. I have to make hard choices. We can't save everyone, and we couldn't have taken them with us either, not without jeopardizing the mission even more than we are already by bringing their captives. I saw friends of mine killed too. Just for being who we are. Valeria blinked again, and the reality of it all sank in. She remembered finding the notes at the old church north of Harper's Ferry. There have been non-feral ghouls here before, but the regular folks, the Free Staters, hunted them down and killed them all in the basement of Dire Chemical. I can't change the past, but I won't apologize for my actions. Making the hard choices is what is necessary for us to rebuild. All the Blood Eagles want to do is destroy, and I'm trying to build something here, where everyone is safe, where everyone is welcome again. A single tear rolled down the ghoul's cheek, and Valeria brushed it away, putting her other arm around her and giving Eugenie a hug. Eugenie rested her head against Valeria's shoulder and slowly pulled herself back together. It had been a while since she felt so emotional about anything, but nestled against her friend, she took a deep breath and started to feel better. When dinner was finally ready, Valeria got up and helped distribute the food to the rescued girls. They all appeared to be doing a lot better, and the oldest, one of two sisters with them, thanked her profusely. Sergeant Tyson grabbed a plate and took a serving down to Travis below, and they all sat down by the fire and ate. In their own way, it was as close to normal as any of them had experienced in quite some time. The girl was even warmed up to Eugenie after she produced some old trinkets and jewelry she found on her travels. Valeria just sat back and watched between mouthfuls of food as the conversations turned to sillier things, like their hair and, of course, boys back at their settlement. <laughs> some things never change. After finishing, Valeria put her plate on the floor and started to field strip her combat rifle and 10mm pistol, spreading the components on the floor so she could clean each one. She learned the hard way, way back at the Wixen homestead, to keep her weapons in top shape. Mind some company? Valeria looked up, automatic receiver in hand, and saw Eugenie standing over her with two bottles of old possum. Not at all. Much appreciated. Eugenie sat down next to Valeria, careful not to disturb the half-assembled weapons. Here's to surviving another day. And another day with friends, too. The two clinked their beers together, and Valeria raised hers, taking a long drink from the bottle before settling it down next to her, smiling back at the ghoul merchant. Picking up the assembled half of Valeria's rifle, Eugenie started brushing off the receiver and checking the ports. Not a bad service rifle you have here. Well-maintained, good action, definitely pre-war. You certainly know your weapons. I have to. It's part of the job. Eugenie quickly cleaned and reassembled the rifle in no time flat. She cocked the bolt, checked the receiver one last time, and handed it back to Valeria. The two of them bonded over their shared knowledge and love of weapons, with Valeria admiring Eugenie's 44 Magnum and Eugenie quizzing Valeria on the various plasma weapons being used by her personnel. Their deep conversation was interrupted by intense giggling across the room. <laughs> they looked up together to see the four girls staring at them, whispering to each other. As soon as they saw they'd been caught, they all blushed and tried to look busy doing other things. Both Valeria and Eugenia rolled their eyes and went back to their discussion. When it was time for Valeria to stand watch with the Brahmin, she had everyone get out their bedrolls and get some sleep. They all be heading out in different directions in the morning, and she wanted them all to be well rested. 
would you, uh, like some company on watch? We ghouls don't need nearly as much sleep as the rest of you. That got the girls giggling again, to which Valeria responded with a hard stare. An extra set of eyes and an extra gun is always appreciated. They spent the next three hours talking and watching over the Brahmin. The night was quiet for once, and they exchanged stories about their past. Valeria spoke about Vault 76 and her parents, while Eugenie reminisced about her pre-war days, which Valeria found fascinating. They were finally relieved a few hours before dawn, allowing Valeria to catch up on some nuts-needed sleep. Eugenie settled herself down in a corner, propped up by her pack, and mused as to how she got herself here. She turned her gaze to Valeria, who appeared to have fallen into a deep sleep after only a few minutes. She felt like she'd seen the best of her, and perhaps the worst as well. Back at the Big Ben Tunnel, she thought Valeria had been nice to look at, but as she had gotten to know her, Eugenia began to think of Valeria as a friend, too. She hesitated to even think about anything more, because even if Valeria did go that way, well, as a ghoul, what could she really hope for? But at least, for this moment, she was just happy to be close to her. Eugenie must have drifted off to sleep at some point, because she had been in the middle of a very nice dream when she felt herself being shaken awake. Eugenie, come on. Time to get up and go. The others were waking themselves up while Valeria's team did a sweep of the perimeter. As they packed, Eugenie went to go check on the Brahmin. Just like the good pack animals they were, they were waiting patiently to get back on the road again. Within the hour, they were ready to go. Valeria spoke with her team in detail and laid out potential rendezvous points further north if they were able to rejoin. She also updated Modus and Major Stein on their current status, route to be taken, and their ETA for getting to Morgantown, the first big stop on their way up to Crater. Miss Valeria? Valeria turned to find the rescue girls grouped together with their hands behind their backs and with sheepish smiles. Yes, girls? Well, I mean, we just wanted to thank you for saving us, so we kind of made these for you. The girls all brought out their hands, filled with small bouquets of soot flowers and ash roses, and gave them to Valeria, followed by copious hugs as well. Eugenie couldn't help but laugh as Valeria was pulled into one teen hug after the other, being left holding an armful of semi-crushed flowers as a result. Valeria looked genuinely surprised as well as embarrassed, and when she looked over at Eugenie, she managed a sheepish grin of her own. The girls then ran over to Eugenie, thanking her for the jewelry with more hugs all around, and it was now time for her to get her own helping of embarrassment, while Valeria looked on. Tyson and Travis stood with bemused expressions as the scene played out in front of them. Okay, everyone. It's time for you to get home and the rest of us to get on our way. Valeria issued her final orders to the operatives, and after a set of salutes, they wrangled the girls and started heading east towards their settlement. Eugenie led the Brahmin from the pen and started them along the road heading north. Valeria walked beside her in a rare impulse of whimsy, ended up decorating the Brahmin with the flowers to pass the time. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people a vault dweller, and a California girl. They met, and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now.
New Enclave teams had swept most of the route up to Morgantown, and after the elimination of the Vantage, the Blood Eagles had, for the most part, moved on to other areas. Of course, Valeria had already initiated her operation against their leadership structure, and it would only be a matter of time before that paid dividends. She made a mental note to check on the latest report from Sullivan when they got back to Morgantown. After two more days on the road, Eugenie and Valeria set up camp outside the old White Powder Ski Shop. Eugenie remembered the place from back before the war. Her parents had brought her there to get her first set of skis. Everyone knew that White Powder made the best equipment, and her parents made sure that she always got the best. Of course, at this point, no one had skied in Appalachia, at least for fun, for a couple of decades. The Brahmin were resting underneath the shop overhang, and Valeria was able to find some pre-war packaged food in the small snack shack on the ground floor for dinner. As they ate, the topics of conversation bounced back and forth between the two. Valeria had lots of questions about pre-war Appalachia, while Eugenie wanted to know more about Vault 76. Finally, Eugenie pointed to the long scar down the side of Valeria's face. Val, how'd you get there? Valeria traced the scar with her finger and blinked with her silver eye. Oh, this? A long while back, I got up close and personal with a Wendigo. Obviously, too close. But it wasn't all bad. People say I look like a robot now. Eugenie whistled. She had heard of Wendigos, but had never seen one in person. From what she had heard, they were no joke, and most people didn't survive the encounter. Seriously? Valeria reached into her pouch and pulled out an old folded picture, handing it over to Eugenie. It had been taken a week after the Atlas Observatory incident. It showed Valeria with half her head covered in bandages, wearing a hospital gown, in a wheelchair. Um, who's that? Eugenie pointed to what looked like to be a nurse behind Valeria, wearing a plague doctor's mask. That's Lil. I mean, Lilith. She's... Honestly, kind of like my sister, but she's really hard to describe. By the looks of it, I can think of some handy descriptions, but... Wow. You you were that badly hurt? I still only remember parts of it. Then there was an explosion, too. Just getting back to the bunker took a miracle. I keep this picture to remind me that I'm only human, or mostly now, I guess. There have been times where I've been arrogant, too sure of myself, and that's gotten me into trouble. Worse, because of decisions I've made, people under my command have died. It's never an easy thing. Eugenie got up and sat down next to Valeria, and as she had done for her, Eugenie put her arm around her and just held her. Valeria looked up at Eugenie and took the picture, folding it gently and putting it back in her pack. Sorry, it's not your problem. I don't mean to unload my burdens on you. Yeah, don't you worry. And I'm not one to talk. You're the good-looking one. Even with a scar and that cool eye. That set the two of them into a giggling fit. After dinner, they made a quick trip upstairs to check out the rest of the building. The years had not been kind, but several set of skis were still stacked along the walls, and they were still outfits on some of the racks. Eugenie held up a ski outfit and modeled it for Valeria, who smiled but shook her head no. There were some discarded Nuka-Cola bottles scattered around, which reminded Eugenie of something she'd wondered about. Hey, I wanted to ask something about the inoculation. Um, Nuka-Cola, my blood's in it? Valeria sighed deeply and hesitated, then decided to tell Eugenie the truth. That was Lilith. The synthesis process for mass production needed viable samples of someone already inoculated, and she volunteered, 
but I wasn't going to make anyone else do it. But Lilith has a unique sense of humor. She's a lot smarter than people give her credit for, and before I got there, she entered the name, encrypted the labeling terminal with a system of her own design, then destroyed the keys. I wasn't going to hold up distribution for weeks to swap out and reprogram the terminal entirely, so here we are. I'd consider it a big favor if you could spread it around that it was just a mix-up or something. Don't want people getting squeamish or bad ideas about me. <laughs> Unique is one way of putting that. But, but sure, I'll, I'll help cover for you. For what, for what it's worth, you using your own blood does say a lot about who you are. Valeria just shook her head with a small smile and didn't respond. She tried on some of the ski caps, none of which really caught her fancy. They did find some interesting scrap items and notes from before the war, but nothing else of much use to the two of them. After, they passed the night, keeping an eye on the hills above and the road, but again it was a quiet time for them. As the two of them followed the road north, they passed through Flatwoods, which was once again becoming a small, thriving community. Blair recognized a few of the residents as former Vault 76ers, many having adopted the responders as their ideal, restarting the aid and training programs used by that long-dead group. She also saw the sideways glances given to Eugenie. Valeria suspected that some of the residents, especially the newer ones, had never seen a sane ghoul before, just knowing the usual feral, dangerous ones. Just to be on the safe side, she pushed them through the town and up the road towards the wayward, where they'd have some real food and real accommodations for the night before the final leg up to Morgantown. Valeria had missed a group of teen boys watching them from the top of the diner, looking over their cargo. Once the caravan had made their way up the road, the teams descended down to the street and started after them at a distance. Valeria wasn't quite prepared for the bolsterous welcome they received when they made it to the Wayward. As soon as they cleared Polly, the Assaultron bouncer and general manager, the crowded bar erupted when Eugenie entered the room. Valeria was carrying one of the Nuka inoculation crates, a gift for Duchess, and she was nearly bowled over by patrons swarming her ghoul partner. Eugenie was swiftly escorted to the bar, where many drinks were poured for her, while a band played an up-tempo beat in the corner. It gave Valeria a few minutes to look over the crowd. On one side, there was a group of crater raiders, half of whom looked like they were ready to pass out, based on the heaping pile of bottles on their table. Closer to them were a group of scavengers from the waste disposal site, toasting their latest finds, while the rest of the bar was overflowing with settlers, scavers, and other traveling merchants. Valeria didn't notice anyone from Morgantown, at least at first glance around the room. Captain Edwards tried to keep most of his people close to home, but some of the younger adults have been known to make the trek down here from time to time. Fail! Fail! Eugenie was yelling at her from the bar, motioning her over. Valeria waved, grabbed the box of drinks, and threaded her way through the throng. As Valeria put the crate on the bar, Eugenie put her arm around her and spoke to the proprietor. Hey, Duchess. I'd like to introduce you to my friend and associate, Valeria. She's helped me out on this run. Larry knew of Duchess by reputation, both post and pre-war, due to Modus's public record archive, and the way where it had been a convenient meeting place for her undercover operatives. Duchess looked her up and down before smiling and clapping a hand on the crate. Well, any friend of Eugenie is a friend of mine and the wayward. Duchess reached down and pulled out a couple of semi-cold brews and put them on the bar. On the house. Mort! Go grab that crowbar in the back. We're going to toast Eugenie's safe return. Eugenie leaned over to whisper in Valeria's ear. She and I go way back. In fact, 
She used her connections to get me out of Appalachia when things went bad for our kind. And I helped her out with the Blue Ridge Caravan, too. Valeria nodded, feeling a little warm with Eugenie so close to her. Hell, half the folks in here are paying customers for my arms, too. Man, it's nice to be around such a friendly crowd. And with really good company, too. Valeria didn't know if she was blushing, but it certainly felt like she was. Eugenie grabbed a beer from the bar and handed the other to Valeria. Cheers again. Mort came back with a pry bar and cracked open the Nuka crate. He started pulling bottles out and setting them up in a long line. Duchess took one and looked it over before bursting out laughing when she saw the label. And then she looked over at Eugenie. <laughs> Are you serious? Eugenie just laughed and shrugged her shoulders, nodding her head at Valeria. I, I, I heard it was supposed to be a reference to all the blood, sweat, and tears that went into work of getting the plant going again, but someone got their wires crossed. Oh, sweetheart. I think someone has a hell of a sense of humor. <gasps> okay, people, come and get it. Next round is on the house. To call it a stampede would have been an understatement. Within what seemed like moments, the bar top and box were empty, and every single hand in the place had a bottle of Nuka-Cola My Bloods in it. In what seemed like moments after, the people had finished their bottles and left them scattered on the bar with the overall feeling that it was some of the best Nuka-Cola any of them had ever had. Of course, what they didn't know was that they were now all inoculated against the Scorch Plague. Duchess leaned over and said something to Eugenie that Valeria couldn't hear over all the racket. The band picked up the pace and folks had even started dancing. Valeria chuckled when she caught a raider girl dancing with a settler boy, both of whom seemed more than three sheets to the wind. She could only imagine what they'd both be thinking when they woke up the next morning, or what they'd say to each other then. Valeria felt Eugenie's hand on her shoulder, and she turned. Now, I, uh, I gotta go upstairs and talk to Duchess. She's got a new deal, and gotta work out some details. Be right back in a jiffy. Valeria nodded again and took another swig of beer, while the two of them made their way through the crowd. That Eugenie is something else. Valeria turned back to the bar to see Mort moving the now empty crate and wiping the bar down with a damp cloth. She sure is. It was her who finally got me out of my funk and back into the middle of things. If not for her, I'd never have met up at Duchess and never ended up here neither. So many of us didn't make it after those first few years. Mort got called over to the other end of the bar as Solomon was helping a couple of scabbers off the floor who had just had a few too many. Valeria turned back to the crowd, leaning back on the bar and taking another sip of her beer. Why, hello there, honey. A heavyset raider saddled up next to Valeria, reeking of alcohol, sweat, and other unidentifiable smells. Valeria glanced over, frowned, and turned away, ignoring the intrusion into her personal space. <clears throat> How's about a dance? You look like you can really move. Getting annoyed, Valeria tried to keep her emotions in check, giving the raider the cold shoulder. Unfortunately, the raider was being encouraged by his pals and wasn't going to take no for an answer. Now don't be like that, baby. Let me show you some real fun. <laughs> he tried to turn her around to face him. Valeria's training and instincts took over, grabbing the raider by the wrist and twisting it almost to the point of breaking. Uh, he fell down to one knee, gasping in pain as Valeria looked down on him. I don't dance. 
The raider's two buddies quickly recovered from their surprise and looked ready to jump to his aid. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Solomon jumped in front of the two raiders, waving his hands. You, uh, fine fellas don't want me to have to get Polly in here, do ya? At the mention of the Assaultron bouncer's name, both raiders took a half step back. Uh, miss, could you please let him go? Larry looked down at the raider and reluctantly let his arm go. He immediately cradled it and started swearing up and down about all the things he was going to do to her, getting right up in her face. Bitch, you're gonna Georgie hadn't been so close, he might have seen it coming. Larry's hand came up in a quick jab to his throat, which put him back down on his knees. She put up her hands and backed up to show she wasn't escalating any further, leaving the raider gasping for breath on the floor, his good hand around his throat. <laughs> yeah, he had that coming. Okay, who's making all the ruckus? The bar was suddenly silent as even the band stopped playing. As Duchess came down the stairs and across the floor, the crowd parted. Eugenie was walking down after her, looking concerned and scanning the room until she locked eyes with Valeria. Ah, sorry, Duchess. The lady didn't want to dance, and these folks were about to insist. Georgie, what did I tell you about manners? And Max, you too, seriously? If you guys can't keep your hands to yourself, I'm going to have to tell Meg. The raiders started apologizing while picking their friend up off the floor. Damn it, boys, don't be sorry, just don't do it again. I won't have you messing up my floors. You're lucky I don't have Polly kick your ass all the way back to the crater. Val, are you okay? Yeah, fine. Show's over, folks. Next round's on me. Drink up. Mort had already started pouring drinks as the bar filled again with the sounds of music, dancing, and laughing. Valeria took her own deep breath as Eugenie put another beer in her hand. Hey, had the same problem years ago. Heck, it was even in a bar not too far from here. Before the war, I mean. Made the mistake of saying no to a boy who decided he wasn't going to take no for an answer. I guess his folks were some big wigs here on vacation, so he thought he could get away with anything. So what happened? Well, back then, not much that I could do, but then this woman stepped in and kicked him in the crotch. <coughs> what? I don't think he was walking right for a couple of hours after that. She paid for my drinks and made sure I got home okay that night. We saw each other for a while after that. Her name was Julie and she lived down by Helvetia. I never saw her again after the bombs dropped. With everything that happened, lots of people just got lost. Valeria put her hand on Eugenie's and squeezed gently. Then a space happened and I figured she'd never want to see me again anyway, so I stopped looking. When our kind started getting hunted down, I left. Eugenie hadn't told that story to anyone in years and wasn't entirely sure why she decided to right then, but it just felt like something she needed to get out. I get it. When I lost my parents, it was like losing the one connection I had. I don't know if any of us really get time to grieve anymore. You know what? I think both of us need something else to drink. More. Oh, we're going to need another couple of rounds here. 
The rest of the evening was spent drinking, talking, and with a considerable amount of cajoling, Eugenie even managed to convince Valeria to come out on the dance floor for a couple of songs, much to the irritation of Georgie over in the distant corner. While Val might have been a little embarrassed, after a while, even she had to admit that it was fun. After the band finished their final encore and most of the other patrons left, Duchess helped both Eugenie and Valeria over to the room they'd rented for the night. Eugenie tucked Valeria into the small bed while she took out her bedroll and went to sleep on the couch. They both fell asleep with the sound of old Bessie, the sentry bot, rolling around outside. I'm Fire Rider, and I'm the host of The Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games. From major characters who define the course of a game's storyline, to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week, we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices, and discover the real-world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thank you again, members, for joining us here on The Modus Files. If you've enjoyed this content, please subscribe. And better yet, please leave a review to help others find our little enclave. You can also follow us on Twitter at Modus Files for more information about our podcast, Fallout 76 content, and random musings on the Enclave. I'd also like to thank our cast, Vendor Beatrix as Colonel Valeria Faustina, Firewriter as Eugenie, Void Maiden as the Settler Girl, Christy Harrison as Duchess, Penal Pineapple as Mort, Patrick Conway as Georgie the Drunk Raider, Zach Militant, Phobos95 as Solomon, and Brad Williams as the voice of Modus. And a shout-out to the Apocalyptic Aristocracy Discord, home to a great group of fellow creators, the Robots Radio podcast community, and the rest of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, and Jeremiah Johnson, our favorite character artist, who provided the wonderful character artwork you can find on our website. We'd also like to send a special thank you to a couple of huge fans of the show, E. Sarah C. and his brother, who left a great review for us on CastBox. We're extremely grateful for your support, and wanted to give you a shout-out from all of us. Lastly, Thank you to all of our subscribers and supporters. God bless the Enclave, and God bless America. Members, we look forward to your next visit to our little Enclave. <laughs> <laughs>